Welcome to another episode of Black Art is Lit. I'm extremely excited. Today is the one, the only, the magnificent Queen Zora Neale Hurston's birthday. Um, If you know me, you know I absolutely love, love, love me some Zora Neale Hurston. Um, She is one of my two favorite authors herself, along with Ellie Banks. And may both of them um, rest in peace. In 2018, they uh, published Barracoon. And Barracoon is the story of the last black cargo. Now, Zora was actually working on this uh, many years before she uh, eventually passed away. But she had um, she had went to do research and gathered it there. And these files are actually uh, they have the digitized files of her papers in the Library of Congress. And you can view some of those paperwork in that archive there. But in 2018, they took those and got and went ahead and published them into this book. Now, listen to me. If you are a book lover like I am, you have to get this book. Um, the perforated pages alone, the way they feel the paper is they're almost like velvet or suede or something it is amazing so this is a wonderful book for you to go out and get and just to add to um your collection but in 1927 Zora Neale Hurston traveled to Plateau Alabama to visit 86 year old Cujo Lewis a survivor of the Clotilda the last slaver known to have made the transatlantic journey Illegally barred to the United States, Cujo was enslaved 50 years after the slave trade was outlawed. At the time, Cujo was the only person alive who could recount this integral part of the nation's history. As a cultural anthropologist, Hurston was eager to hear about these experiences firsthand. But the reticent elder didn't always speak when she came to visit. Sometimes he would tend his garden, repair his fence, or appear lost in his thoughts. Hurston persisted, though, and during an intense three-month period, she and Cujo communed over her gifts of peaches and watermelon, and gradually Cujo, a poetic storyteller, began to share heart-trending memories of his childhood in Africa, the attack by female warriors who slaughtered his townspeople, the horrors of being captured and held in the barracoons of Oida for selection by American traders, the harrowing ordeal of the middle passage aboard the Clotilda as cargo with more than 100 other souls, the years he spent in slavery until the end of the Civil War, and finally his role in the founding of Africatown. Barracoon employs Hurston's skills as both an anthropologist and a writer and brings to life Cujo's singular voice in his vernacular in a poignant, powerful tribute to the disremembered and the unaccounted. This profound work is an invaluable contribution to our history and our culture. And it opens with this, <clears throat> the, the quote at the very beginning of it, And it says, those who love us never leave us alone with our grief. At the moment they show us our wound, they reveal they have the medicine. Say that again. Those who love us never leave us alone with our grief. At the moment they show us our wound, they reveal they have the medicine. (laughs) Whew, okay, that right there has me. And I was just like, that was a wonderful um, opening to this tale. This is the life story of Cujo Lewis as documented by himself. It makes no attempt to be a scientific document, but on the whole, he is rather accurate. 
If he is a little hazy as to detail at the 67 years, he is certainly to be pardoned. The quotations from the works of travelers in Dahomey are set down not to make this appear a thoroughly documented biography, but to emphasize his remarkable memory. Three spellings of his nation are found, Attico, Takul, and Takao. But Lewis's pronunciation is probably correct. Therefore, I have used Takoy throughout the work. I, have, I was sent by a woman a tremendous understanding of primitive peoples to get this story. The thought back of the act was to set down essential truth rather than fact or detail, which is so often misleading. Therefore, he has been permitted to tell his story in his own way without the intrusion of interpretation. For historical data, I am indebted to the Journal of Negro History and to the records of the Mobile Historical Society, Zora Neale Hurston, April 17th, 1931. It was summer when I went to talk with Cujo, so his door was standing wide open. But I knew he was somewhere about the house before I entered the yard, because I had found the gate unlocked. When Cujo goes down into his backfield or away from home, he locks his gate with an ingenious wooden peg of African invention. I held him by his African name as I walked up the steps to his porch, and he looked up into my face as I stood in the door in surprise. He was eating his breakfast from a round enameled pan with his hands in the fashion of his fatherland. The surprise of seeing me halted his hand between pan and face. Then tears of joy welled up. Oh, Lord, I know it you call my name. Nobody don't call me by my name from across the water but you. You always calling me Kusala, just like I in the African soil. I noted that another man sat eating with him, and I wondered why, so I said, I see you have company, Kusala. Yeah, I got to have somebody stay with me. I've been sick in the bed the five months. I needed somebody hand me some water. So I take this man and he sleep here and take care of Cujo. But I get he well now. In spite of the rest, recent illness and the fact that his well had fallen in, I found Cujo Lewis full of gleaming goodwill. His garden was planted. There was deep shade under his china berry tree and all was well. He wanted to know a few things about New York and when I had answered him, he sat silently smoking. Finally, I told him I had come to talk with him. He removed his pipe from his mouth and smiled. I don't care, he said. I like he have company come see me. Then the smile faded into the rich weeping mass. I so lonely. My wife, she let me since the 1908. Cujo all by himself. After a minute or two, he remembered me and said contritely, excuse me, you didn't do nothing to me. Cujo feels so lonely, he can't help, he cries sometime. What you want with me? First, I want to ask you how you feel today. Another muted silence. Then he said, I thank God I'm praying ground and in a Bible country. But didn't you have a God back in Africa? I asked him. His head dropped between his hands and the tears sprung fresh. Seeing the anguish in his face, I regretted that I had come to worry this captive in a strange land. He read my face and said, excuse me, cry. I can't help it when I hear the name call. Oh, Lord, I no see African soul no more. Another long silence. Then, how come you asking me ain't we go had no God back there in Africa? Africa, sorry. 
Because you said, thank God you were on praying ground and in a Bible country. Yeah, in Africa, we always know there was a God. His name, Aloha. But poor Africans, we can read the Bible so we don't know God got a son. We ain't ignorant, we just don't know. Nobody done tell us, but the Adam ate the apple. We didn't know the seven seals were silly against us. Our parents don't want to tell us that. They didn't tell us about the first days. No, that's right. We just don't want to know. So that what you come asking me? I temporized. Well, yes. I wanted to ask that, but I want to ask you many things. I want to know who are you and how you come to be a slave. And to what part of Africa do you belong and how you fared as a slave and how you have managed as a free man. Again, his head was bowed for a time. When he lifted his wet face, he murmured, Thank you, Jesus. Somebody come ask about Kujo. I want to tell somebody who I is. So maybe they go in the African soil someday and call him my name and somebody there say, Yeah, I know Kusala. I want you everywhere you go to tell somebody what Kujo say. And how come I in American soil since the 1859 and never see my people no more? I can't talk you plain, you understand me. But I cause it word by word for you so it won't be too crooked for you. My name is not Kudra Lewis, it's Kosala. When I get to in America, so my, my Mr. Jim Meher, he tried calling me my name, but it's too long. You understand me, so I say, well, I your property. He say, yeah. Then I say, you calling me Kudra, that do. But in Africa, so my mama, she named me Kosala. My people, you understand me? They ain't got no ivory by the door. When an ivory from the elephant stand by the door, then that a king, a ruler, you understand me? My father neither his mother, don't nobody rule. The old folks that live 200 years before, I don't tell her the father, remote ancestor, run, rule or nobody. My people in Africa, you understand me, they're not rich. That's the truth now. I'm not gonna tell you my people rich, they rich and come from high blood. Then when you go in Africa, saw and take, ask the people, they say, why Kusla over there in America saw tell the folks he rich? I tell you like it is. Now that's right, ain't it? My father's father, you understand me. He an officer of the king. He don't live in the compound with us. Wherever the king go, he go, you understand me? The king give him plenty land and got plenty cows and goats and sheep. Now that's right. Maybe after a while, he be a little chief. I don't know. But he died when I was a little boy. What he going to be later on? That don't reach me. My grandpa, he a great man. I tell you how he go. I was afraid that Kujo might go off on a tangent, so I cut in. But Kusala, Kusala, sorry. I want to hear about you and how you lived in Africa. He gave me a look full of scornful pity and asked, Where's the house where the mouse is the leader? In the Africa soul, I can tell you about the son before I tell you about the father, and therefore you understand me. I can talk about the man who is father, Eti, till I to tell you about the man who fathered to him, Eti, the grandfather. Now that's right, ain't it? My grandpa, you understand me, he got the great big compound. He got plenty wives and children. His house, it is in the center of the compound. In Africa, so the house of the husband is always in the center, and the houses of the wives then in a circle round the house the husband live in. He don't think himself to marry with so many women, no. In the Africa, so it the wife go finding him another wife. Suppose I in the Africa, so Kujo, he had been married for seven years, example. His wife said, Kujo, I am growing tired, I tired, I will bring you another wife. Before she speak of that, she got the girl who he done know in her mind. She a girl she think very nice, maybe her husband never see her. 
Well, she go out in the marketplace, maybe in the public square. She see this girl and asks the, the girl, you know Cujo? The girl tell her, I have heard of him. The wife say, Cujo is good, he is kind. I like you to be his wife. The girl say, come with me to my mama and papa. They go, you understand me, to the girl's parents together. They ask her questions and she answered for her husband. She asked them questions too and if both sides satisfied with one another, the girl's parents say, we give our daughter into your care. She ain't ours no more. You be good to her. The wife, she come back to Cujo and making arrangements. Cujo got to pay the father for the girl. If she be a rich girl, then that in... If she be a rich girl that been in the fat house long time, you understand me? He got to pay two of everything for her. Two cow, two sheep, two goat, chickens, yam, maybe gold. The rich man keeping his daughter in the fat house long time. Sometime two year. She get the dinner in there eight times a day and they don't leave her in, leave her get in and out the bed by herself. The one what keep the fat house, he lift them in and out so they don't lose the fat. The man not so rich, he can keep his girl there long so she not fat. So poor man don't send his daughter. Therefore, you understand me, the man pay different price for a different girl. It's your daughter of a poor family or she been married before something he don't pay much for her. When the new wife come first to her husband, compound, she live in the house with the old wife. She teach her what to do and how to take care of the husband. When she learn all that, then she can have a house by herself. When they get ready to build the new house, the man take it in machete and cut the palm tree to mark the place where the house go be built. Then he throw down a cow and have plenty palm wine. Then all the people come and eat the milk and drink the wine, stump the place with smooth and pound the, build the house. My grandpa, he build the wife house many times. Some men in the Africa soil don't get to no wife because they can't buy none. They got nothing to give so a wife can come to them. They got too, some got too many. When you get hungry, it is painful, but, but when the belly too full, it's painful too. All the wives make food, Odia, for the husband. All the men, they like it, the fufu. They eat it, the big calabash full to the top with fufu. Then my grandpa, he lay down to sleep. The young wives, before they are old enough to take up the actual duties of wifehood, help put the husband to sleep. One make it win for him with the fan, another one rub the head, maybe one clean the hands and somebody look after the toenails. Then he sleepy and snore. Somebody stand guard to the door so nobody make noise and wake him. Sometime, the son of a slave in the compound making too much noise. The man would stand guard catching him and taking him to my grandpa. He sit up and look at the boy so. Then he asked him, whoever telling you make that mouse can walk across the roof the mighty. What, where is that Portuguese man? I swap you for tobacco. In the olden days, I walk on your skin. That is, I would kill you and make shoes from your side. I drink water from your skull. I would have killed you and used your head for a drinking cup. My grandpa say that, but he don't never ask the, ask the chief to sell nobody to Portuguese. Some chief, they get mad when the slave talky so sassy and don't do work like they tell them. Then they sell them to Portuguese. The chief throw orange under the table. Then he called the slave boy, he gone to sell and say to the boy, pick me the orange under the table. The boy stoop under the table. The chief got a man standing there, maybe two. When the boy go under the table to get to the orange, the chief say, catch it to the bushman. The, the man grabbing the boy and selling him. The chief, he ain't always glad. One day his wife die. She's still in the old wife's house and ain't never been no wife to the chief yet. She too young. Why she died, Cujo don't know. When they come to tell the chief his young wife dead, he go look. 
He slapped his hand on his wrist. Then he screamed his fist and cried. He said, yeah, 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 my wife dead. All my goods wasted. I paid big price for her. I fattened her and now she dead and I never sleep with her once. Yeah, yeah, I lose so much. She dead and she's still a virgin. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah, I have great loss. Cujo looked out over his patch of pole beans towards the house of his daughter-in-law. I waited for him to resume, but he just sat there not looking, seeing me. I waited, but not a sound. Presently, he turned to the man sitting inside the house and said, Go fetch me some cool water. The man took the pail and went down to the path between the rows of pole beans to the well in the daughter's-in-law's yard. He returned and Kosala gulped down a healthy cup full from a homemade tin cup. Then he sat and smoked his pipe in silence. Finally, he seemed to discover that I was still there. Then he said brusquely, Go leave me alone, Cujo tired. Come back tomorrow. Don't come in the morning, cause then I be in the garden. Come when it hot, then Cujo sit in the house. So I left Cujo sitting in the door with his bare feet exposed to the cloud of mosquitoes that swatted, swarmed in the shade inside of his home. The next day, about noon, I was again at Cusilla's gate. I brought a gift this time, a basket of Georgia peaches. He received me kindly and began to eat the peaches at once. Mary and Martha, the twin daughters of his granddaughter, wandered up to the stairs. When the old man's love of these children was quite evident. With glad eyes, he selected four of the finest peaches and handed two to each little girl. He scolded them off to play with affectionate abuse. When they were gone, he looked lovingly after them and pointed to a little clump of sugar cane in the garden. See that cane, he asked. I nodded. I did. Well, I plant that cane. Tain't much, but I grow that there so Martha and Mary come to me and say, Grandpa, I want you some cane. I go cut and give them. There is, lar- there is a large peach tree in the yard that bears small but delicious clean stone peaches. They were beginning to ripen. The old man gave me one or two and put away one for each of the twins. I was shown all over the gardens. Cusilla was genial, but not one word about himself fell from his lips. So I went away and came again the following day. I brought another gift, a box of B brand insect powder to burn in the house to drive out all the mosquitoes. He was in a vocal mood and could scarcely wait until I set the powder burning to talk about his Af- Africa. So we settled in the porch and he talked. I reminded him that he had been telling me about the chiefs losing a wife under such unfortunate circumstances and about his grandfather's compound. I don't forget to nothing. I remember everything I did, five year old. Yeah, my grandpa, he officer of the king. He be with the king everywhere he go, you understand me? Therefore, you understand me. One man, he kill a leopard. Well, the king don't care, but he kill a leopard, but he's but the laws say that when a man kill a leopard, he got to bring it to the king. The king don't want to take the beast away from the man what kill it, you understand me? But he got to take the big hairs that grow around the mouth. They're very poison. And the king don't want none of his people to get to kill. So men's they wicked, you understand me? And they take the hairs and make the poison. Therefore, you know, the king say when any man kill the leopard, he got to cover his the head so no woman can see it and bring the leopard to the king. Then the drums go beat and call y'all brave chiefs and come discuss the leopard that been killed. The king, he keep the head, deliver the gall and the skin. That always belong to the king. It all make a different medicine. All the body, it, he tried and making more medicine too. 
But some try make fetish and eat the flesh, so they eat the medicine, you know. Therefore, when a man killed the leper and take the hairs before he let the king know he killed the leper, they killed that man. He a wicked man. One man, you know, he killed a leper. He covered the head and tied the body to a young tree, tied by the feet to a pole so that it could be carried. Well, the king called all of the chiefs and they come looking. They take off the cover from the dead head and the king look at the hairs. He see one hair it gone from the hole in the face where it grow. All day chief, they looky too. They see the hair and they ain't there. So they call the man. The king say, well, you killed this beast. The man say, yeah, I kill him. How you killed this leopard? With despair, I kill him. Did you touch the head? No, I don't touch the head at all. I only a common man and I know the head belong to the king. So I don't touch it. The king looking at the head and looking at the man. He say, how is it this beats got this hole for hair, but one hair not there? Tell me where the hair is. I see where it pull out. Who is it that you want to kill? The man say, I don't want to kill nobody. I ain't touching the hairs. That's the truth now. If I touch the hair, let in city. That is, may I be turned over to the executioner in city in Sibidi, sorry, being the name for the executioner. They search the man and find the hair. Then they try him all day. They talk power. So next day they find him guilty. So they say he got to die. He a wicked man wants spec to kill somebody with the hair. Therefore, you understand me? They tie him by the left foot and wait for Akiri Unsun. Kings, they are great. They all execution save for this day. Then they take him to the place of sacrifice. The king come with his hair and all the cheese bring they soul too. They say to themselves and the drum beat. It speak with the voice of the king. Then it is Sibidi come in the place and dance. One have a mouthpiece that rattle. He, he shake the mouthpiece that rattle. He shake the mouthpiece that sing. What he say? Kujo gonna tell you. On a great day like this, we, de- we kill thee. One that is evil. On a day like this, we killed the bad one, who would command the poison one from the leopard to kill us. On a great day like this, we kill him, who would kill the innocent. He danced some more with the drum and the other two dancing with him. Then he sings some more. A great knife that eats no other blood but human blood, lily killing him. A great knife, it feed the earth. A great knife eats no other blood but human blood. They dance some more when the king make it the sign. They dance up to the man where he tried at, and with one look, chop off his head. The head fall to the ground, and the rough work. It open and shut many time, but quick they put a piece of the stick from the banana tree in the mouth. Then they can open the jaw when they get ready. If they don't do that, the jaw close, and they can't get it open no more. The body of the man they bury in the ground. The head they put it in the sacrifice place with the other heads. The king go back into his village, but the chief have court every day. All day, somebody say to him, this man touched my wife. This man commit adultery. Everything be done open there. Not so many secrets. When a man kills somebody there, he be tried open on all the boys and men in the village here to trial. I don't know how come he done it, but one man kill you another with the spear. So they rested that man and tied his hands with the palm cord. Then they pick up the dead man and carry him to the public square. The marketplace, you understand? Then they send message by the drum to the king in the village where he had to come set on the trial inside the case. In Africa, you understand, if somebody steal or commit adultery, the chief of the village, he try him. But if a man kill somebody, then they send for the king and he come inside the case. 
Therefore, when this man spear other other one through the breast, they send word for the king to come. The old folks should understand me. The wise ones, they go out in the woods and get the leaves. They know which ones and mash the leaves with water. Then they paint the dead man all over with this so he don't spoil till the king come. Maybe the king don't get there till the next day. When he when the king come, my grandfather, he come with them. Before anybody else see the king, we know he is almost there because we hear the drum. When a little tree travel, he go quiet. But when the king go any place, you understand me, the drum go before to let the people know the king come. That night, everybody sit up with the man all night and eat meat and drink palm wine and banana beer. Late the next day, you understand me, the king come with the chiefs and the other villages to help him side the case. So the chief of our village, he went out a short way to meet the king. Then he put down and killed cows and goats. It too late that day to hold trial, you understand me? So they decide to hold it next day. So they did. The king, he takes a special seat they bring for him and they cheese from the other towns. They sit on their stool or rank in different places around the square. The dead man is laying on the ground in the center where everybody can see him. The man that killed him, he tried where folks see him too. Therefore, they tried the man. They asked the man why he killed this other one. He say the man worked juju against him so his child died and his cows, they stay sick all the time. The king say, if this man worked juju against you, why don't you tell the chief and the head man of the village? Why don't you tell the king? Don't you know we got law for people that work juju? You ain't supposed to kill the man. So they talking all chiefs sitting around, they asking him questions too. In African law is the law and no man can make out he crazy like that and get excuse from law. If you kill anybody, you're going to die too. They going to kill you. So King say, I hear the evidence, but this man got no cause to kill that other one. Therefore, he must die. The man stand there. He don't cry. He don't talk. He just looks straight at the king. Then all the chiefs, they get around the king and they talking. Well, ain't nobody know what they say about them. Then all the chiefs, they go back and talk their seats again. Then they drums begin to play. They big drum, kata, kumba, the drum that speaks like a man, it begins to talk. And the man, what is in Sibidi, he begins to dance. They lead the murderer out to the center of the square. The in Sibidi, he dance. And as he dance, he watched the eye of the king and the eye of all chiefs. One man will give him the sign. Nobody know which one will give the sign. They decide that when they whispering together. Therefore, the executioner danced until he get the sign of the hand. Then he danced up to the murderer and touched his breast with the point of the machete. He danced away again. And the next time he touched the man's neck with his knife. The third time that he touched the man, other men rush out and seize the murderer and take the palm cord and stretch his face to face upon the dead man and tie him so tight that he can't move himself. When the executioner touched the murderer with his knife, that is a sign that he is dead already. So they wrapped the cord around his neck and around the neck of the dead man. They wrapped the cord around his body and around the body of the dead man. They wrapped his arm and the dead man's arm with the same cord. His leg is wrapped as one with the leg of the dead man he done killed. So they leave him there. His nose is tied to the nose of the dead man. His lips touch the lips of their course, so they leave him. The king and the chief, they talk. About other things while they watch the struggles of the murderer. Sometimes if he be a strong man and the person he killed be little, he managed to get up and go away with the body. But if the course be heavy, he lay right there till he died. If he cry for water, nobody pay no attention to him because he is dead since the machete first touched him. 
So they say, how can a dead man want water? If he cried to be cut loose, nobody would pay attention to him. They say, how can a dead man want to be loose? The other dead man don't cry. How come this man cry? So they leave him there. But people watch until he died too. How long it take? Sometime he die next day. Sometime two or three days. He don't live long. People can stand the smell of the horse, the cow, and other beasts. But no man can stand the smell his nostrils of a rotten man. Again, happy birthday in the words of Toni Morris to one of the greatest writers of our time.